Hebrews chapter 6, verse 13. When God made his promise to Abraham, since there was no one great of him to swear by, he swore by himself, saying, I will surely bless you and give you many descendants. And so after waiting patiently, Abraham received what was promised. People swear by someone greater than themselves, and the oath confirms what is said and puts an end to all argument. Because God wanted to make the unchanging nature of his purpose very clear to the heirs of what was promised, he confirmed it with an oath. God did this so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled to take hold of the hope set before us may be greatly encouraged. We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. It enters the inner sanctuary behind the curtain where our forerunner, Jesus, has entered on our behalf. He has become a high priest forever in the order of Melchizedek. Amen. Well, it's, uh, it's nice to be here. Grateful church as well. Uh, it's nice to see everybody. Um, my wife was going to come, but she's involved with the church that we're, we go to. So, uh, Deborah, uh, some of you will know her, some of you won't. But uh, she'd love to have been here, uh, but she can't. So she says hello. Right. Here's a question. What do the following things have in common? What do the following things have in common? Butter, Popeye, the boys' brigade, and Hebrews chapter 6. Butter, Popeye, the boys' brigade, Hebrews chapter 6. An anchor. It's right, an anchor. Anchor butter. I was going to bring some to show you, but it's too expensive. <laughs> Popeye and his tattoos. I think he's got two tattoos. The logo for the Boys Brigade and verse 19 of Hebrews chapter 6. Now, I've got one slide to show you. And here it comes. There you are. The verse 19 of chapter 6 says, We have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Uh, and on the anchor, you can probably see, at the top it says sure, and at the bottom it says steadfast. Are there any XBBers here? I know there's one. Any, no, no more? No? I was a cub for about four weeks, and then, <laughs> and then I left. But uh, maybe the, um, the Hebrews that uh, we're thinking about in this letter could have joined the BB. Because that would, have, that would have set them right, wouldn't it? That's, that's really what this letter's all about. And we're going to look at it under them three uh, points there. Promise, patience, and hope. Now, the letter to the Hebrews has got warnings against neglecting the life uh, that God has given us at such greater price. Cost him his... Uh, his son, his only uh, beloved son, to come and die on the cross. And he don't want us to neglect uh, that gift that he's given us. And he don't want us to drift away. And I think that's the, the, one of the things that we can all be in danger of, drifting away uh, uh, from, from God and from his purpose. And I always think if we, if we drift too far from the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, we've actually drifted too far. I don't know whether you watched the programme's uh, Rescue at Sea. Anybody ever watched that? 
one or two there, uh, about people who go out on, uh, in little boats or on, uh, what's them things called that you stand on? Paddleboards, yeah. Uh, and they, they, they think they're all right, but before they know it, they've gone further than they would have liked to have done. And they can't see the shore. So I don't know how to do it, but the lifeboatmen come out and they, and they rescue them. It's quite a good program if you, if you want to watch it there. And, and, verse, and chapter 2 of Hebrews says this, verse 1. We must pay the most careful attention to what we have heard. That's the gospel about Jesus. So that we do not drift away. And uh, I think most of us can easily drift away on our journey or on our walk with Jesus. I know I have uh, a number of occasions where I've sort of drifted uh, without really realising it and had to, had to get myself back uh, when, when I hear God telling me to get myself back. Think when things get tough in your life, things happen that are difficult, uh, when you get disappointed, either somebody disappoints you or you get disappointed maybe with the church or you get disappointed with yourself and you seem to make not much progress in the Christian faith and we, we can easily drift. And it usually happens gradually unaware until we can't see the shore. And I think that's one of the things where the Hebrews says, keep alert, make sure that you don't drift. And I say that to myself before I say it to you. Make sure you don't drift from what God's given you. So there's the warnings, but I think you looked a little bit last week uh, at uh, uh, quite a difficult passage at the beginning of Hebrews chapter 6, the warnings there. But it's also a letter of encouragement and we all need encouraging, don't we? Uh, in, in all sorts of things. We need to be encouraged. And uh, this letter is a letter of encouragement to hold on firm to our hope in Jesus, who is our anchor amongst all the storms that we encounter, both without and within. The storms that we encounter without, things happening around us, and things that happen in our own lives, in our own hearts. And to help us to do that, God's given us his Holy Spirit, he's given us his word, the Bible, and it's got stories of people throughout the Old Testament and the New Testament who walked the way long before us and found God to be faithful. And that's what, that's what we've got the scriptures for. The Apostle Paul, when he wrote to the church in Corinth, he says this, all scripture, and I think he's thinking particularly the Old Testament there, when he, when, he's, uh, when, he, when he mentions it, all scripture is written to encourage us to find strength. So when you go through the Bible, I'm, I'm trying to read through the Bible, you know, once a year, and I'm in Leviticus. And sometimes it's difficult to, in some passages, to find the encouragement there. But it's there if we, if we look at it. And we, throughout the Bible, we can find uh, ways that God encourages us and to be encouraged uh, as a church to, uh, with each other. In our drifting back, in our drifting away from God, uh, there is encouragement that shows that God is actually willing to take us back. He's willing to come out on the lifeboat, if you like. Uh, and bring us back, bring us back to shore, bring us back to himself. And I came across a story of a, a lady called Wendy Cope. don't know whether anybody's heard of her, she's a poet. And uh, she found that she drifted away from God. When she was, I think it was 10 years of age, she went to a Billy Graham crusade. A man was a Christian, 
uh, and she took her to it, and she went forward at the Billy Graham meeting. Uh, and then as life went on, things began to happen to her. Uh, she got a busy life. She got a difficult job, a demanding job. She had a family. And God uh, seemed to take a back seat. Uh, and she, she kind of forgot about him. But God had not forgotten about her. Uh, and maybe, maybe you're in the position at the moment where you feel you've drifted too far away and it's difficult to get back. Maybe sometimes we feel we're going through the motions, don't we? Uh, but God is on the lookout, and we know he's the good shepherd, and he comes looking for us to bring us back. And when Nicote wrote this poem, and it's one of my very favourite poems, and it's called The Present, The Present, as in a gift. Okay, and this is what she says. On the flyleaf of my confirmation present, it says, To Wendy, with love, from Nanor, Psalm 98. I looked it up eventually. Cantate Domino. Sing to the Lord. I knew the first two verses and I skipped the rest. 35 years afterwards, at Evensong, on day 19, the choir sings Nanar's psalm. At last, I pay attention to the words she chose. Sing unto the Lord a new song. Nano, it's just what I wanted. And I thought that was a great way of, of how God works in different ways to bring us back. And that's what happened to, to Wendy Cope all those years. Uh, and then she, she came back to God. So before I drift on too much, I'm going to go to the first point, which is the promise. Promise. Maybe you've experienced a promise that's been made to you uh, and that it's been broken. Uh, it might, might be quite an insignificant promise, so it, it's not mattered so much. But it may be a big promise that somebody promised you something really serious. And uh, it's been broken and it's left you devastated. It's left you, your, your life torn apart. People we encounter can do that. Uh, we, they can disappoint us and we can become discouraged. Kevin, Kevin Keegan, uh, the, the footballer said this, it's not that I don't trust people, it's just that I don't trust people. Think about it. <laughs> or maybe it's a promise that you've made to somebody and you've not kept it, you've let that person down and it's something you keep thinking about, that you, you, know, you, shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have done that, you should have kept your word. John Connolly, who's an Irish writer, said this, the world is full of broken things, broken hearts, broken promises, broken people. And stuff that happens to us can destroy or slowly erode our trust in people or institutions. And I think that's happening now. You know, when you watch the news, there's a gradual drip, drip, drip where we come to question. Uh, and, not, and, and not believe things uh, that we, 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 uh, we hear, uh, fake news and all that sort of business. I'm very weary of phone calls when uh, you pick the phone up and somebody's going to try and, they're pretending they're not trying to sell you something, but they actually are. They're trying to mislead you. A few years ago, um, I attended a Christian conference at a holiday camp uh, 
Dave Wells went. Where's he gone? Over there. And Jason, who's the, who's the pastor who's just, just left. We went to a holiday camp, uh, which is the FIEC, the Federation... Is it Fellowship? No, Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches, right now, I thought. Uh, FIEC. And it was in Hemsby, in Norfolk. And uh, don't tell anybody this, but sometimes I used to bunk off the uh, sessions. If I thought, looked at them, I thought, oh, I don't fancy that. And I, I went for a walk along the beach at Hemsby. And uh, along the top where, we, where, where I walked, there were people's homes all along the top uh, where, where the beach was. Now, you've probably seen the news recently from Hemsby. And uh, what's happened is, through sea erosion, many of those homes have, have uh, fallen onto the beach or they've been abandoned. The gradual erosion that the sea is doing, uh, eroding and, um, these homes, and they've been destroyed or abandoned. And like I said, we seem to be living at the moment where trust is being eroded or it's in very short supply. But, but, God keeps his promises. And uh, we've sung about it in all, just about all the hymns, we've songs we've sung. God keeps his promises. Uh, one of the most uh, famous verses uh, in the Bible is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that whoever believes in him should not perish, but should have eternal life. And that's a promise that we can take hold of as individuals, as a church. If we trust in Jesus, uh, he will save us because he's promised. Now, you often hear people say nothing is impossible with God. God can do anything he wants. Well, in verse 18, it says it's not. That's not true because it's impossible for God to lie. So once he's made his promise, once he's said he's going to do something, he won't turn back from it. He'll keep his promise. He doesn't deceive. He doesn't, what we say now, misspeak or lie. He's true to his word. There's a preacher called Spurgeon. Some of you may have heard of him. Uh, he says this, If God had meant to turn back from any promise, he would surely have turned back from the promise to give his only begotten son. But having fulfilled that, what promise is there that he will ever break? If he promised to give Jesus for us, that's the promise that he kept. And if he was going to break any promise, it, it would have been that one, but he didn't. And he's not going to break any other promise that he makes for us. Uh, to quote another famous preacher, Bob Dylan, he sang, God don't make promises that he don't keep. Now, I don't know how that goes down with the English, le English grammar lesson. Anyway, if you're worried about the grammar, uh, don't forget that he won the Nobel Prize for Literature. So I think we can, uh, we can give him that. God don't make promises uh, that he don't keep. And in Romans chapter 10, Paul says, anyone who trusts in him, anyone who trusts in Christ, will never be disappointed. Will never be disappointed. Now, way back in the Bible, in the book of Genesis, we come across this character called Abraham that we read about. Uh, he's, he's called the father of faith. And God plucks this man out of obscurity and he makes an incredible promise to him. 
Through Abraham, God works out his plan to bring good to the entire world. The world, you and me, have messed up, but God remains faithful. We've gone away from God, but God is still there. He, want, he keeps his promise. What he does for Abraham, he promises him a land to live in. He promises him that he'll have many descendants, as many descendants as there are grains of sand on Emsby Beach. And he promises that he will bless all nations through him. God promises that he will bless all nations, all peoples, through Abraham. That's some encounter, isn't it, between God and a man. And despite all the seeming impossibilities surrounding Abraham, he promises he's going to have led to descendants, but he ain't got any ear. Uh, he's married to Sarah, they're really old. So we're, we're, how can we have descendants? There's lots of insurmountable uh, things uh, around Abraham that makes it seem that this promise can never really be fulfilled. But Abraham drops his anchor in God's promises. Abraham drops his anchor in God's word and he trusts God. And elsewhere it says that Abraham trusted God and God counted that to his credit as righteousness. Yet by faith, God accepted Abraham. And God made this promise and took an oath in his own name because there was nobody greater to swear by and his promise was set firm what God said he was going to do. And the promise to bless all nations through Abraham finds its full meaning in Jesus, the ultimate descendant of, Dave, of, of, of Abraham, who blesses all who come uh, to Jesus for help. And we're here this morning because of that promise that God made to Abraham. We can trace it all the way back. And that promise was kept, and we're here this morning because we've come to know Jesus. Abraham's life is an example to show that God can be trusted. It can be taken as his word in a global sense, in, a, in the big picture, and it can be taken at his word in the smallest detail of your life, in the smallest detail of my life. Well, Abraham encountered a few hiccups in his life, but he still proved God to be faithful. And I'm sure, if we're honest, we all mess up. We all have hiccups. Uh, but God does remain faithful. God's still there. That's the promise, the patience. God has got a long-term plan. God's not in a hurry. I don't know. Oh, we're all right, 25 past. I'm not in a hurry. God's not in a hurry. He, he doesn't work to our well-thought-out schedules. We can write it all out, have a rotor. You have rotors, don't you? We always have rotors. God don't necessarily work to our rotor. You may have found that in your praying. You've needed patience. You've prayed for something for ages, years, and nothing seems to happen. Certainly, that certainly happened to me. I became a Christian when I was 17, and uh, I prayed for my mum and dad to become Christians. And I kept on praying. I'd love to say I was faithful every day praying, but I wasn't. But I did keep praying, keep praying, keep praying. Ten years later, 
they became Christians. So it took patience. God didn't do it like that. It took a long time uh, to me, but not to God. But God brought my mum and dad uh, to, to become Christians. And Abraham found this out too. He was 75 years of age when God made that promise to him. And he tried in different ways to hurry God along. You can read about it in, in Genesis. He tried very, various ways to hurry God along. Uh, by the time Abraham and his wife Sarah had their son, he was 100. Now then, I've got grade 4 CSE maths and a calculator. And I make that 25 years of patience that Abraham needed. 25 years before that promise to him was fulfilled. Patience is important to God. It's something we find difficult, isn't it? But God is patient. He works in his ways. We find waiting hard. We watch the um, television series Magpie Murder. Certainly, you watch that. It takes over six weeks to watch. And uh, it seems like an eternity. Waiting for the next one. But you can binge watch, can't you? Not that I would do that, but you could binge watch the whole series in one night because we can't wait. We want to know what's happening right now. We ain't got the patience to do it. But God was not in a hurry with Abraham and he's not in a hurry with you. He is working out his purposes in your life. He'll do what he said. Psalm 27 verse 14 says, Wait patiently for the Lord. And that's what Abraham did. He waited patiently for the Lord. And it's a theme that runs consistently through the Bible. So what I would say to myself and what I'd say to you is hang on in there. God has everything in hand. You're part of his story. He won't disappoint you. And that's something that Abraham uh, can teach us. Hope. Abraham is not the hero of the book of Hebrews. The hero is Jesus, who Abraham was pointing to, even though he didn't know it. He was pointing to that ultimate descendant, Jesus. So Jesus is the hero. And the writer encourages the Hebrews to hold on tight to the hope that they have in Jesus. Now, most of you will know that I've got a daughter, and uh, she was going to be called Grace. This was a long while. She's 32 now. Um, she was going to be called Grace when she was born, and everybody, we rang everybody round. We've had a baby. Well, had a baby. And uh, we're going to call her Grace. And that day I read in the Bible about hope, that uh, God has given us a hope by raising Jesus from the dead. So I had to make a quick phone call round everybody again. Say, no, it's not grace. It's hope. And I love, I love that word, hope. I love that word, hope. If I had a tattoo like Popeye, I think I'd have a hope on my, on my arm. But I've got a son called Joel, so I better not do that. Or I think I, she's my favourite. So, but I just love, I love the word hope. We have fled to God to, ca- to take hold of this hope. Who else can we turn to? If you think in the Gospels, 
Yeah, and nobody is there. When you think in the Gospels, G, uh, the, 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 uh, some of his disciples were, were leaving him because, the t- the, because of the tough things he was saying. And uh, Peter says, to help, to, who can we flee to apart from you? There's nobody else. We can only flee to Jesus. He's the one alone who can give us this hope. It's an anchor. It's firm. It's secure. It brings us from death to life. It takes us from being God's enemies to being God's friends. When we put our trust in Jesus, that's what he does. Somebody says, life is filled with sobs, sniffles, and smiles with sniffles predominating. But the hope that God gives us through Jesus as an anchor is the perfect answer to all that life can throw at us. And uh, sometimes we go through really uh, difficult times, and maybe a lot of you have been through really, really difficult times, but you have found that to be true, that, that Jesus is your anchor. And so many people can testify to that. I've been reading a book by a lady called Faith Cook, and it's called Hymn Writers and Their Hymns. Not the snappiest of titles, but... And it looks at some of the old hymn writers. Isaac Watts. No relation, I don't think. William Cooper. John Newton. And they wrote these beautiful, poetic hymns when you read them. Incredible hymns. But then you read about their lives, and you read about the hard life that they had and the tragedies that happened in their lives. But they still write about the promises of God, the faithfulness of God. Going through all that stuff, they can still hold on to the hope that Jesus Christ gives them. Somebody else said this, behind every beautiful thing, there has been some kind of pain. So when you're singing a hymn, uh, have have a look at who wrote it and have a look at their life and see the sort of stuff that they went through, that they held on their faith in Jesus and this hope takes us right into the presence of God right up close it talks about going through the curtain the curtain was the it separated the really holy place where God was from the people and only once a year the high priest could go and offer a sacrifice Uh, and when you read about Jesus dying on the cross it says the curtain was torn in two the way was made open for us to get right close with God. And who's behind the curtain? Well, it's Jesus himself. He's our forerunner, as that passage says. And he brings us right to his Father in the most holy place, and he remains there to strengthen and hold us tight. And I think the last, when I came in July, we talked about Jesus ascending into heaven and becoming our high priest and being there to encourage us, to, to shout us on, to cheer us on, bringing us to the Father. So holding on to the promises of God, waiting patiently for God to act. Just this week I was reading in John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. It's the story of Pilgrim and his journey from the city of destruction to heaven, to the celestial city. And he, on the way there, he, he has all sorts of tests and trials. Uh, he meets all sorts of people on the way. And he drifts off into a place called Bypath Meadows. 
And near the end of his journey, he despairs that he's ever going to make it to heaven. But the character that's with him right at the end, and who encourages him, does anybody know who it is? Hopeful. Faith is hopeful. Hopeful. Hopeful right at the end is the one that encourages him and, and, and tells him to keep going, keep going, because at, at the end of the journey, there's God, and he's ready to welcome you. Hopeful. So hope is such an important uh, thing. And, and, and he says, hopeful says to uh, Pilgrim, be of good cheer. Jesus Christ makes you whole. And that's the hope we have in Jesus. Holding to the promises of God. Waiting, waiting patiently for God to act. And we've already said it this morning. He who began a good work in you will complete it. Uh, that's in Philippians chapter 1 verse 6. That's the very first verse of the Bible I ever learned when I became a Christian. He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. Or, I've started so I'll finish. He was the, God's original one to say that. I've started so I'll finish. Having hope in Christ as an anchor for your soul. And I want to leave you uh, with some words from the Apostle Paul which sums this up. I hope something I've said uh, today has encouraged you as I've been preparing it and planning it. You never know how it's going to go. But um, I hope there's something, at least one thing you can take away and, and, and hang on to that. Jesus, your anchor. Be patient. Trust in his promises. Lay your anchor, let the anchor down into his word. And this is what the Apostle Paul says. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for the hope that you've given us in your Son. Thank you for bringing us to yourself through the cross, through the empty tomb. Help us to hold on tight to you, not to wander off, but to keep you at the centre of our thinking and of our lives. Help us individually and as a fellowship here in Stapleford to do it. In Jesus' name, amen.